previously on Transformers Chronicles. In Straxus, he seemed just like a great A jerk. I liked him. He's a great villain. Oh, he's even better in the next one. They, they give him a recurring catchphrase and everything. Oh, nice. Has anyone heard from Pat? He's been missing for Astrohorns. Yeah, we sent him out for snacks, but I don't think he's been gone that long. Yeah, I mean, what episode is this one? 18. Well, let me check my notes here. All right. The last time we saw Pat was during episode... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, looks like he's been gone since right after episode 15. But really, when you think of it in terms of the amount of total episodes we've done, he hasn't been gone too long. That's what I said. Not long at all. That was forever ago. That's like point zero three of a Vorn. What? I have no idea how long you meant by that. Yeah, that, that gave me no information at all. <sighs> you never studied. I made flashcards. What is that? There's something appearing in front of us. It, it looks like some sort of metallic bridge. Yeah, there's someone appearing on it. Man, that's bright. If only this weren't an audio medium, we wouldn't have to describe this out loud. It's Pat! Hey, guys. Where have you been? Well, I, I decided to take a shortcut on the way to the grocery store to get the snacks, and I got lost in the wilderness. Eh, understandable. Could happen to anyone. And then, you know, and then suddenly there was half a huge metal bridge spanning a canyon, and so I decided to drive onto it. This is all very fascinating, Pat, but did you bring the chips? Oh, uh, well, n- no. No, oh, man. Well, then spare me the details, Pat. I'm going to go get ready. Is he gone? I did bring the chips. I just wanted to make sure that he didn't get them all. Wise man. You still have your Robot Master cape and goggles on, I see. Because I look awesome in them, yes. True enough. Well, Pat's back and Maggie hangs around to finish up the Return to Cybertron story here on Episode 18 of Transformers Chronicles. The Marvel Years. Transformers Chronicles. The Marvel Years. Hello, and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. I'm Delvin, a.k.a. The Dark Web. In case you're new to the show, welcome. And let me tell you what this thing is all about. We're going for a wild, crazy ride chronicling an awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, The Transformers. But I won't be going at it alone. Let's meet my chronicling companions. First up, a man who, despite his lifelong love of comics, has never encountered Marvel's Transformers until now. And he wants to see what all the fuss is about with these robots in disguise. The founder of the Longbox Crusade, Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Cristados. Welcome back, Pat. Hey, how's it going? It's like I never left. No, we missed you, dude. We were glad to have you back, and especially uh, such a great storyline. Uh, catch us up. What's been going on since you've been here last, sir? Boy, it, it's been a while. So, I don't know. I missed a couple episodes. I missed, didn't read some comics. I don't know. Were you at least able to read the last couple? I did. Yep. Well, good. Because there, there's a decent amount to catch up on. So oh, there I'm, is. There is, I'm definitely. In, I'm interested to maybe hear what you were, what you thought about, especially last um, issue, which we loved, uh, and then this one. So, it'll be good to catch up. Next up. We have our Transformers expert, the lesser half of the Married with Comics podcast, the provider of knowledge. 
Jonathan Schaefer Hames. So what's up, John? What's up with your life since last episode? Hello. Hello. Uh, not too much, you know. Still um dealing with the you know, all the doom and impending, you know, plague and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> it's been a rough five years this twenty twenty has been. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That is true, but like I, I can I can steer you in a direction because I know that you've um watched the new Transformers series on Netflix. Oh, yes, we did. So I haven't watched it. So don't spoil it, but tell like, tell me about it. Was it was it good? Was it worth watching? Not worth watching? I it's worth watching. I think it was solidly okay. Um, many people did like it a lot, and and so you may as well. There's a lot of really fun Easter eggs in it, you know, mm-hmm. from all different aspects of Transformerdom. But there was a couple of things about it that were just kind of you know it's. It was kind of like, you know, every I know that every cartoon, Transformers cartoon and comic book and whatever is designed as a toy commercial, but this one felt most like it was trying to sell me toys. Hmm. You know, I know it's supposed to be, but it I mean the the character models are exactly like the toys you can buy in the store, like exactly. I have the Starscream from this line. It looks exactly like him both in robot and alt mode, which is a cool thing. I mean, especially compared to how it was in the original G1 when they looked, in some cases, absolutely nothing like them. Yeah. But I mean, I, it was it, it was interesting enough, um, uh, and it definitely held my interest, and I do want to watch the next the, the next series, uh, which, whenever that one comes out. I've also, seen episode one. So you've seen, part, you've seen episode one. I've seen episode one so far. What'd you think? Uh, kind of the same. Yeah, I mean, I hear that it gets better past the first few, at least. Um, but I was, I was interested. I'll, I'll figure. I'll finish it up. I'm looking forward to it. We got it on uh, record. I probably could have watched it this weekend, but I watched uh, the movie Alien instead for another podcast on the network that I'm going to be doing at some point or the other. Uh, I can't share any thoughts about that, but it, Alien is now a movie that I watched. That this was the first time you watched Alien. Yeah. Oh wow. Ooh. I can't wait to hear the podcast that you're on where you talk about that. Yeah, I, I can I can do that with a lot of movies that most people have watched at some point, and they're like, "Have you watched it?" No. <laughs> <laughs> just just happened. Uh, so yeah, Alien happened to be one of those, but it's now one I can't say that I haven't watched because I have. So, yeah. all right, one more person to introduce. Uh, last but certainly not least. We have Maggie Schaefer Hames coming to close out the two issue run. Um, Maggie, did you want to talk any bit about uh, Transformer series or anything else? Um, you know, I was I was intrigued enough that I wanted to watch it, and I do want to watch parts two and three, providing that the coronavirus allows those things to happen. Um, but I, I agreed with John. I thought predominantly it was okay, but I am curious to see where it goes. So I'm going to watch more of it. But it wasn't my f- favorite Transformers thing that I've seen or encountered. I wouldn't say. Now that I think about it, I have not watched a Transformers cartoon since G1. Mm-hmm. A very long time ago. So this will be a very interesting watch for me. I'm going to have to just sit down on a uh, couch probably during the weekend and check it out. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe I have some thoughts to share about it uh, next episode. Maggie, anything else? Um, other than that, I did get to finally sit down and watch season two of the Umbrella Academy, which was amazing. I quite like that. 
That was good too. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I only know that it's a Netflix show. My wife yep. has watched it. Miranda's watched it. And I remember, or not season two, but she saw season one. And when she saw season two pop up, she's like, ooh, season two. So yeah. at some point, she'll be watching it too. So it was enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. I really like, I liked season one a lot too. So I was really happy when season two came out. And I, I finally found time to sit down and just get through it all. I'm reading the comic now. Yeah. That's next on my to do list. There's an Umbrella Academy comic. comic? And yes, and it's written by the former lead singer to My Chemical Romance, Gerard Way. And when I was in high school, My Chemical Romance was my jam. I listened to them. I was an emo kid in high school. I'll just fess up to that right now. Yeah. I had a t-shirt. I had a couple of their CDs. So I, like I when you were a young girl. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yep. Well, before we get, you know, too far down that road, we'll carry on. Ah, the purpose of this podcast will be tackling all of Marvel Transformers comics in order, starting with issue one and working our way to the series end at issue 80. We'll answer any questions that are brought up to the best of our ability and seeing how these books we loved as a kid hold up to our cynical adult eyes. This podcast is guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. So everyone, let's continue the Cybertron story and see how it connects to the actions on planet Earth right after this promo. The Transformers will return after these messages. In a world filled with movie-themed podcasts, thousands speak their minds, shouting their opinions into the void. Into this terrifying world of sound and noise, a new podcast about movies dares to raise its head. Appearing on the Longbox Crusade Network, in association with Jeffener Present, it is the era of monthly Monday movie muckabout. Listen as people are challenged to see films that they have missed or failed to see. Hear their new appreciation for films from years past. Experience the discussions of film fans. Is the world ready for monthly Monday movie muckabout? Yes. Yes, it is. And cut. Perfect, Jeff. Great. So when are we going to start this show? Um, just me. This is my new show. I thought we talked about this. Uh, then why am I doing your promo? Because in reality, I'm an egotistical puppet master that uses people for his own profit and fame. Huh. Eh, fair enough. dun dun dun, dun. monthly Monday movie muck about, watch a movie with me. We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we will be covering today is Transformers issue 18, and here is John with the cover description. The corner box contains the usual pointing Optimus Prime underneath the usual for 1986 Marvel 25th anniversary logo. Uh, the Transformers and More Than Meets the Eye uh, logos are white like last issue, but you don't notice that right away because of the sour apple Laffy Taffy green background, which is, I can safely say, an unusual choice. The main action, as Jared would say if he were here, shows us the villainous Straxus wielding a rather impressive axe, which motion lines show us is being swung at and narrowly missing the head of Blaster, who fires a shot in response, which also misses. Uh, to the sides and in the background are Cybertronian landscape, 
uh, featuring what we will soon learn is the Space Bridge. I should mention that in the IDW Marvel Transformers Volume 2, which reprints this, it does not show the cityscape in the reprinted cover, at least in the digital edition. So it's just the two of them fighting in front of what looks like a green screen. And if I hadn't seen the actual cover, I would have had a far more negative opinion of it. As it is, I do like this cover well enough. Um, that green is a bit odd for my taste and i and it does kind of yank me away from it there is um various coloring issues as is the norm but it the action is is pretty interesting and i i'm a sucker for motion lines so and it it does as uh it solves the uh, or it fulfills the maggie and albrecht brothers uh criteria of showing something that happens in the issue yeah it's uh it is pretty decent in my eyes what do you think of it maggie well, like you said, it, it at least depicts something that happens in the book, which I do appreciate. And I do kind of like the the little Kirby Dot-esque detail around Straxus's, 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 yeah. whatever, axe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to make that possessive and make it sound right. Um, but otherwise, it's very boring. It's just green. And I, I do like the color green. It's my favorite color. But that's a lot of green. And then the Transformers logo isn't colored in and the the title's not colored in so it's kind of an unfinished look um the cover for 17 kind of played it off a little bit better i feel it's all right right, you haven't seen it with the with the actual background you're just looking at the green screen one let me right well i will find it for maggie to look at what do you think of it pat you know i think because they had to use the green to play off of the darker colors that are in stratix so if you had to do like a black background for that sky that's there uh, for the space, he would get really faded out. So I think this was what they were doing to play off of that. And keeping the Transformers just white uh, also pushes the colors of um, the colors of uh, what's his name? Blaster and Strasser. Yeah. yeah. Pushes the color of Blaster and Strassus up front more. And with that action going on there, I do like this cover with the, the white kind of faded in the background, the bridge. And if you look on one side, you can see Cybertron. The other side, you can see Earth. So I thought that was kind of cool looking. That is true. I did not notice that because you you don't until you look at that right side of it, you know, where the laser blaster is. I'm like, is that a tree? Is that? And then I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. There is. Good cats, right? So, yeah. And, you know, I'm a sucker for Green Apple Jolly Rancher or Green Apple (laughs) Fruity um, Tootsie Rolls. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So for me, yeah, right now we need Jared here and only here at this segment, just this segment only for his color wheel because he has a color wheel that, uh, John Beatty got him. And I would like to see how that plays off on the color wheel. I like Straxus, uh, who was a made up robot, but he looks very imposing, uh, wielding the axe. Uh, I do like Blaster. Uh, looks like he is definitely in for a fight. Definitely just barely avoided that axe swing. And, of course, the backdrop of the Space Bridge uh, as well. And now, with the added uh, detail that Pat brought of Cybertron being on one side and Earth being on one the other side, uh, there are a lot of things going on in the cover that happened in the book, which is good. Um, and without being too busy of a cover, like if you were just looking, you just see two, two robots very quickly. But if you then start paying attention to the detail, you'd see that there's uh, some pretty cool stuff in there. So overall, I think pretty good job by Mr. Trimpy. 
And those are our thoughts. But you haven't heard our ratings yet, so we're about to do that. If you do not know, we rate things here on Transformers Chronicles on a scale of 1 to 10, like the tech specs of old, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest. Maggie, what would you rate the cover? Do you want me to rate it up based on the one that has the cityscape behind it? Yes. If it's the one with the cityscape behind it, I would give that one a 7, because mm-hmm. that is that is kind of cool. It was a little bit weird to look at one that didn't have that detail in the background. I wonder why they omitted that. But yeah. I mean, it's it's a good enough cover, and, and it does tell you something that's going to happen in the book without spoiling any major events, which is good as well. So I'd give it a seven then. Sweet. Uh, Pat, what do you think? I'm looking at this. You know, the other detail that's in here is the line work that's done on the two robots as well and the inking that's done as well, too, with some of the um, the shading that goes on in this one. I really think that helps make this pop as well. So I'm at a seven. Okay. Cool. John? Uh, I will also give this a seven. I it's a it's a pretty cool cover. I it's exciting. It, it got it would get me to to buy it, and it serves its purpose. It might be compared to the one right before it might be losing it a little bit for me, and but the seven. Okay, solid. cool, cool. I'm right there with you. I'm with uh, who's with Pat as well. I'll get a, a seven as well. I like uh, I've always liked the look of Blaster's uh, Electron. Blaster gun. His gun has a cool look to it. Yeah. Uh, I, I've always liked that. And um, other than that, it was a good cover. And uh, Pat, if you will, sir, take us uh, through the cog. Uh, excuse me. Take us through the credits for the issue. All right, Delvin. I am glad you asked. Transformers number 18 was on sale April 15th, 1986, but its cover date was July 1986. So, yeah, you'd be going down to the comic book store, the convenience store, picking this up in July of 1986. I would get that in the bag of my, you know, um, you had grape, you had watermelon, you had lime, uh, Tootsie Rolls. I love those. I don't know if I mentioned that before. Are you sure those are Tootsie Rolls? Tootsie yeah. Rolls are chocolate candy. Oh, you want to see it? A roll. I, I actually you never had. Mind. They were called fruit, like Fruity Tooties or something like that. Yeah, they've got like green apple flavored. It's the same See? thing as the Tootsie Roll. It's just different flavors. What? Is this weird Wisconsin candy? It could be. This is something I want to hear comments from. This has, has nothing yeah. to do with Transformers. I want people to <laughs> tell me whether or not. Like, I've only seen the chocolate-covered Tootsie Rolls. I, I did not know that there were other flavors. Of they tootsie. call them like fruitsy, fruitsy Rolls or something fruitsy like that. Yeah. I what? Have- you know, I knew what they're talking about. There's vanilla. About. See, these are some snacks that you picked up on the other side of the space bridge. Must. <laughs> exactly. That's true. See, I was out and about in my walkabout and I came across these fruity snacks and <sighs> gotcha. Try to open your mind up a little bit, Delvin. I'm sorry. It, it takes a while. You, you need a crowbar <laughs> and then definitely a few other devices. Go ahead with the cover credits, or excuse me, the uh, Yes, credits, back please. to the cover credits now that we uh, sidetracked there. But. Folks, if you are listening, we would love to hear if you've heard of the fruit Tootsie Rolls. Let us know what your favorite one was. Now back to the cover credits. Story is Bob Budiansky. Pencils belong to Don Perlin. Inks, Kevin Williams and Vince Coletta. Colors, Neil Yamtov. Letters is Janice Chang and editor Mike Carlin. And this was reprinted in Transformers Comics Magazine number nine in 1988. One, two, Three, four, five. Get your Transformers comics. Come on and drive to the 
comic store around the corner. I just want to see how long you're going to go with it. (laughs) (laughs) Someone impressed. Also, thanks to Mike's Amazing World and TFW Info. And let's get to the synopsis. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the The title of this issue was The Bridge to Nowhere. The Decepticons are very close in their attempts to get their transdimensional space bridge up and running, amazingly getting half the bridge to transport millions of miles away to Northern Oregon. Not close enough because not one, but two Decepticons attempt to cross and get blowed up all the smithereens and whatnot. Lord Straxus over the Decepticon base does not care about anything but the end result though. So much so that no one notices Blaster transformed in his radio recorder mode, taking notes. Relaying the news back at Autobase, team leader Perceptor decides that a fully operational space bridge is, well, a bridge too far, and the Autobots set out to stop its construction. Meanwhile on Earth, Donnie Finkelberg is tired of spreading propaganda while being Robot Master. Megatron is tired of him. Shockwave returning to the fold is tired of Megatron and a scrap is about to ensue when a transmission from Cybertron arrives to them and they instead dedicate their efforts to helping Straxus in turning Earth into fodder central, much to Donnie's dismay. Back on Cybertron, the Autobots launch their assault on Dark Mount, with Blaster being a key cog to set detonation charges on the space bridge where, much to his dismay, he finds that a neutral robot has been merged with the space bridge. Already feeling guilt of losing his comrade Scrounge, in the last issue, Blaster is reticent to blow up the bridge, which unfortunately exposes his Autobots to being outnumbered two to one by the Decepticons. This leads to an excellent one-on-one battle between Blaster and Straxus. Blaster gets one of the coldest send-offs to win a battle you'll ever see. The end of the battle sees Blaster and several Autobots stranded on planet Earth with the space bridge undestroyed. So let's talk about the book. On Transformers Chronicles, we take turns bringing up everything about the comic book, the goods, the bads, everything in between. Let's start with Maggie. The first thing that I would want to mention about this is the art. The art throughout this book is real good. And especially with a lot of the faces I noticed. Um, and there's so much detail, especially in the panels that have to deal with the, the battle on the space bridge. Um, really, really well done art, really striking, easy to follow. I quite liked it. I'm, I'm going to chime in on that with Maggie. I, that's on my notes here too, that, uh, the art, but what I want to point out is I think what helps with that is the double duty of two inkers mm. putting more of that detail in there. So. I think they, they must have had to have the two inkers help out to, you know, get this done in time with all that, that detail that pops in this. Two inkers is much better than a many hands. It would be about half a many hands. So Vince Coletta is generally known, I mean, for he gets his job because he finishes he finishes the work on time or and he was brought in a lot when an issue was in danger of not 
being put together. He's not well liked in the fandom. I, I don't think he does anything too egregious in, in this one, though. I, I agree with the art in this is pretty great, um, especially just to focus in on one. I love the panel uh, on Earth where Megatron is crushing the candy machine. Yeah, that was what I think. Just exploding candy bars everywhere. The the power that you get out of that, just a reminder of how ridiculously strong Megatron is. Mm -hmm. And big. Then could you try and see him? Now I gotta pick up all these candy bars and try to unwrap (laughs) it. Can't get it unwrapped with my big hands. Megatron did more due diligence than Optimus Prime did, or or Jazz at least, when it comes to trying to figure out what what humans need he realized you need sugar these things have sugar in them eat them jazz is like here let me just throw you off this cliff after i set you on fire (laughs) megatron the poster child for diabetes (laughs) i want to add something about the art um there was the picture of straxus again straxus is not a toy that you're going to find this was something specifically made up for the book he transformed into that space gun. I was like, ooh. That was cool. That yeah. was really cool. It looked a lot like Albatrons. Yeah. Yeah. And this predates that. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, maybe they saw how Straxus looked and modeled Mech Galvatron off of him. Could, could very well be. He looks great but for somebody made up just for this. Of course, as we said, Bob has a lot of history, you know, just making up characters on the fly. But this one, too, he didn't even have a toy to look at. He just... Almost seems like a missed opportunity to not make a toy out of them. They would have been a great villain for some kid to add to their collection. Hey, this is this is the time. If you know anyone who knows anything about constructing anything, get a Kickstarter started. And I mean, yeah. they're making they're making a Unicron toy right now. It's coming out mm-hmm. a freaking Unicron toy. So they made Unicron. They can make Straxus. Absolutely. They good. may have. I should check with Anthony. Does Strax just show up later on again? Uh, no. Nah. Okay. Nah. He pretty definitively met oh, his yeah. end. was pretty definitive in this one. Yeah. What it was the, they called it alternate space was what surrounded the space bridge or something like that. It looked That's like what he into. it looked like Kirby Ditko land. It really did. Yeah. It was, it was like <laughs> and pink swirls to indicate like this absence of space around the space bridge as it's going in and out of corporealness. I guess that, that's that's it. Straxus came back as an eternal. Bang. There, you go. there we go. Right. <laughs> Oh, ah, my job is to keep this ship going, and I'm routing us right into the friggin' rocks. Let me get us back. Um, Pat, give us something to talk about. Well, how about that battle between Blaster and Straxus? Yes. How I about thought that, it? I thought it was pretty cool. You know, he's I think he's a real menacing kind of guy. He's like a big, beefy kind of robot, and, he, you know, he's coming after Blaster, who's a little more. You know, it's like kind of David and Goliath kind of here. Strax has got a two-issue story arc, 17 and 18. And good God, I did not like him in the the best way. I did not like him. He was a right bastard. And I'm like. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. And and so he, and sure enough, you're right. He just looked like a big bully going against Mm -hmm. Blaster. So I've enjoyed the fight, but. Uh, I'm the one that should be passing things around. Uh, Maggie, what do you think about the fight? 
Oh, I, I quite liked it. Um, I liked Straxus from the get-go as a villain. And when he's like yelling at some, I don't even know if he was a named Decepticon, but he's just like, soldier, go do this thing that's obviously very dangerous and I don't care. Put on this yeah. I'm a bad guy. <laughs> and then Shrapnel's like, um, please don't make me <laughs> Shrapnel's desperately trying not to die. All right, talk to Spider. <laughs> uh, hey. He says, don't do it. He says, he says don't do it. Yeah, Stragons is so great. And obviously, along with the message from Earth from Soundwave, he must have included a, a, the digital run of Fantastic Four. And Strax has read all of the Doctor Doom issues and said, This! This is how I'm going to be! I'm going to say, Spare me the details a lot! Yeah, he is very Doomish. Yeah, he even, like, when he introduced himself, let's, let's see, what, what title did he give himself? He is, I am Strax's Lord High Governor of Polyhex. Yes. <laughs> Not He's just not Governor, he is Lord High Governor. <laughs> if there's any mistake here, if anybody else shows up calling themselves Governor, they are on, lower on the totem pole than I. John, did you have any thoughts about the big fight between Blaster and Straxus? I thought it was great. I think it is among the best fights that we see in this series. I mean, we get several pages on it. It's really well paced. Um, and Straxus has been built up for two issues as being this pretty good threat. And he transformed into this thing that he's just killing Autobots left and right, uh, like shockwave level blasting. And he, he comes down and Blaster is outclassed. Yeah. Blaster is pretty formidable and he can do things, but he is outclassed. He knows it. And by the skin of his teeth, he's able to uh, manage to beat him in a rather spectacular way, but at least gets the James Bond, uh, you know, send off line. Yeah. And not only was the outclass, they started the fight between uh, Straxus and he, and he without his electro blaster. Right. He's like, where's my gun? Yeah. He, because Straxus came in blasting and it caused blaster to drop his gun. So that was just another nice detail uh, to add to that. I did like Blaster's send-off. Yeah, what Strax is about. Yeah. He's like, I missed. Yeah, spare me the details. <laughs> like, oh. Then butt-kick a doom. Boom. <laughs> yes. With the Roger Moore butt-kick a doom, and, and it saved the day. <laughs> yeah, that was... I, I, I rather adore that fight. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, let's move on. Uh, John, do you have something that you want to bring up? Um... I love the opening sequence in this is the best um, horror movie beginning teaser ever, complete with stupid humans. Charlie and Rita. Charlie and Rita. <laughs> they're on their way. And, Look, Rita, an impossible metal bridge in the middle of the wilderness. Let's cross it. And Rita seems more freaked out that there's only half a bridge than by the fact that a robot appears in front of them and explodes. <laughs> Which would be a terrifying thing to watch. <laughs> well, first of all, who sees a giant metal bridge spanning out halfway over Canada? Go, huh? Well, I'm checking out what this is. Come on now. I mean, we've seen tons of people in horror movies at this point. There's yeah, some right. people who just have that sense of adventure, idiots that they are. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the bridge. It'd be like, I wonder where that goes, and drive the other direction. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of horror movie elements in both of these issues. I mean, you've got like the just to tag on along with this, like the Cronenberg esque body horror of Spanner, 
oh my god forming into this horror show of a suffering thing and blaster fails the uh, twisted trolley problem you know thing because oof, well, we can talk about that in a bit yeah talk that part was now. interesting what, what well basic just you know like the trolley problem where they say there's a, a trolley trolley going you have control over a switch if it's going down one track it's it'll run over one person or it's, it'll run over three people but if you switch it it'll then run it'll run over one and then you have to it's an it's a test of ethics uh-huh. and blaster who is still um hurt you know and traumatized over the death of his friend scrounge which he partially blames himself for is now faced with a guy who is in this horrific situation who's a pacifist and now is not only has his designs being used by people that are going to use it for destruction, but they have made him into this thing. It is a complete and utter total horror situation for him. And he's begging Blaster to kill him. Yeah. Blaster can't do it. Blaster values that one life over the lives of not only half a lot of Autobots die in this one, uh, but anytime from this point on, anytime that the Decepticons, use the space bridge to transport anybody to earth or back you know this is all on blaster if any deaths you know come of it that is a very good point Hmm. yeah so you know it's it's one of those weird ethical things and it's it it does weigh on him i don't know if it's explicitly you know stated later but blaster goes through a huge arc starting with this once we do see him again in a few issues pat um you weren't here last issue for 17 but you said you read it you want to give some quick thoughts about that? Um, you know, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I definitely see where Jonathan was coming from, where it was, you know, the big one to get to. And um, I think it's a game changer as far as story-wise where things are going. The Some of the ones a little bit before that, the, the last few, you know, were, you know, I, I want to say kind of filler so what, uh, somewhat, but um, to get to this point, Moving forward, I think this was a great story because now you just it opened up the world to more Transformers mm-hmm. that can come. Um, it opens up, you know, what was Cybertron like? What's been going on there? And just that that story of how bad, you know, the, how long was this guy in charge? That man, Straxus is not a good guy. I mean, if you saw like the atrocities mm-hmm. that he was visiting upon the planet last issue. And then continued that by making that pacifist build this bridge and then merged him as a part of it. Like, oh, that's just yeah. abominable. Like, why would you do that? So bad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a lot of good elements that played into it. Like mm-hmm. the one uh, thing that John mentioned was the uh, beginning. And I like the beginning because... As harmless as it was with Charlie and Rita, it introduced us back to planet Earth, Mm -hmm. which was the purpose of it. And so then when they went back to planet Earth and they talked about a few of the other storylines that were going on, I was glad. I was glad that they brought back up Robot Master and they gave uh, Donnie Finkelberg a little bit of an arc where he's like, I'm kind of tired of doing this. And I know that these are bad guys. I know they are. Um, and then it brought back the storyline between uh, Shockwave and Megatron where they were about to start fighting for number one again. <laughs> when I was a kid and I saw that, I'm like, oh, they're going to fight again. And oh, Megatron finally oh. oh, yeah. And I was like, hang on. I got a call. <laughs> <Much like laughs> yeah. Um, I love tight continuity. 
Mm-hmm. And right now at issue 18, that is a year and a half of Transformers comics. The continuity that Bob has laid down is very tight and it's been very fun uh, to watch him develop this storyline and continue to develop it with all these characters. That kind of reminds me of what we're seeing right now in the Spider-Man that we're covering on Chronicles. Yeah. That that weaving and doing it well, storytelling, and it may kind of just bake there for a little bit, but he doesn't let you, you know, forget about it. They bring it up mm-hmm. and like, hey, this is still out here, just so you know. And like particularly with Robot Master, that's something that they could have just shuffled away if they wanted to. It was like, nope, this has an importance. Like the Decepticons are using this dude as a propaganda tool. And it looks like Donnie is like, I got to find a way to let the Autobots know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so who knows how what's going to happen with that? I have no idea. I, I can't remember how Donnie does Donnie succeed. Does he not? I don't remember. So I'm interested to find out next issue. John? It reminds me of like early Fantastic Four stuff where Stan and Jack were constantly going back to, you know, they'd like suddenly cut to a prison cell where the Sandman was stuck with for a while with Base Pot Pete. You know, they had nothing to do with the rest of the story, but just a quick reminder that their universe is that their building is getting bigger. So it's nice there to see how it's, it's all fitting together. And it's a nice transition back to the Earth stories, which which we'll get back to in the next one. Quick mention just about the space bridge itself. The space bridge appears in the cartoon and is used to go back and forth from there to Cybertron, but it looks nothing like this. That's some, it's a big, uh, sci-fi like a big that they kind tower, of, ain't it? Yeah. It's like a tower and they strap themselves to, and they go through the, some flashy stuff and they appear then on, on Cybertron. I like this one so much better. The whole concept of it, this bridge that goes through this dimensional thing. It's, yeah. It's still Marvel comic-y. There's a, there's a little bit of the, the Bifrost in it, too, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yep, yep. I like how they keep it, you know, that it lands in Oregon. <laughs> 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 you know, they're, they're keeping that Oregon alive. Oregon, Oregon. Oregon. <sighs> Let's keep going. <laughs> Hi, Rick. Uh does anyone have anything else? I feel like we've covered the issue quite thoroughly in our first round of discussion. I don't want to force another round unless someone has other pressing points that they want to bring up. I was just going to add that I could easily see this issue being an episode of the cartoon for sure. And I, I kind of appreciated that in this one, at least from my perspective, it's, it seems like it's the first time in a while that the Autobots kind of get a win. You know, they, they sort of succeed a little bit. At least there's more Autobots on Earth now. And yeah. they must be probably pretty stoked to get to see Optimus Prime. Because these were all the guys who thought that he was dead. And then they found out, hey, he's not dead. And now they're on the same planet. So that must be fun for them, I would hope. It, and you it, never it, think Autobots get to have a good day. <laughs> it's true. I, I would say it's kind of a mixed bag, Maggie. Yeah, like yeah, every other one of their victories. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. They didn't exactly win totally, but it seems kind of like they probably came out a little bit ahead. So let's let's discuss the purpose. The purpose that the Decepticons wanted was to have a fully functional space bridge that they could transport anything they needed from Cybertron to Earth uh, for the for the whole point of strip mining Earth for any of its resources that they could use to help in the Cybertronian War. Right. The Autobots 
their goal was to destroy the space bridge to prevent that from happening. Mm -hmm. the end of the book, the only thing that was transported over from Cybertron to planet Earth were about seven Autobots. <laughs> so very right. bad, but with the space bridge still fully intact. So no, not, not fully intact. It is damaged. They did damage it, and we have seen um, how temperamental it is when it's damaged, and that will factor in later. On this. They plus, shot a fuel line or something. Plus, when it came to sacrificing a life, um, when it comes to Autobots who wind up being in the competing for leadership role, which I think Blaster, he definitely qualifies for, uh, one thing that they all generally have, which is both a strength or a weakness, depending on how you're looking at it, is defending life is paramount. They will sacrifice their own selves, their own plan, sometimes entire, like, parts of an army, like in this case, in order to preserve life. Uh, we will see that again, rather famously, coming up in, say, issue 24 or so. <laughs> it at least is consistent with, with the Autobot philosophy. Absolutely. There is a nobility in that. That is for certain. Pat, did you have any pressing last points? I had just two. One was, you kind of mentioned it with... Megatron and Shockwave. Just them all of a sudden, oh, let's be team now. Okay, <laughs> and Shockwave, okay, Commander. But you know he's scheming. ABC, a, a, always be scheming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I thought that was, it's pretty decent that uh, just kind of see that gelling together because they're both, you know, working on a new plan that comes up. Yeah, they were about to go, that's for sure, but... Yeah. They both saw the greater picture there. That's one, Pat. What's your second? My second is Blaster. I'm really interested in kind of reading along more about him. So it sounds like he'll be around for quite a while. Sure And will. so um, I thought he was a standout in this one. Blaster is pretty cool. I like his look. I like the colors. I like that he certainly has a personality of where he, he wants to save the one. Um, and... That can cost you sometimes. Like, I mean, it, it is a noble thing, but sometimes looking at that smaller picture can cost you the bigger picture. And it kind of did here a little bit. So very interesting. And yeah, you'll be seeing Blaster. He is not going away anytime soon. Excellent discussion, everyone. I enjoyed the heck out of that. Now it's time for us to talk about who had the touch where we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, whether it's Autobot, Decepticon, or Human. You got the touch! You got the power! Tell me who had the touch. I almost want to give it to you for your bridge too far joke. That's <laughs> not funny. That's that was pretty great. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to give it to Donnie Finkelberg just because. Oh, you took mine too. You did? Oh, you've got. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you're going to do that, I'll save it for you. Uh, I am going to uh, give it to the Earth Decepticon. They managed to put their. Differences aside, they, they've all gotten together. They've now, you know, getting a situation going. They've got their plan going. Uh, they're definitely starting out on a good foot 
for the beginning of next issue. So Earthbound Decepticon. Cybertronian ones, not so much so far, but spare me the details, John. Spare me the details. Um <laughs> I will talk about who had the touch, uh, and I'll I'll take the easy one. I, I blastered that line at the end. Seriously, like when like he was he was overmatched, he got his leg severed, um, and still positioned himself in a uh, place where Straxus took a swing and missed, and then Sperry the details kicks him into the either, and he just blew up like oh. <laughs> He, so he literally was a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. He was, and he won, and he won that butt-kicking contest. That's <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Uh, let's see. Maggie, who had the touch? Well, not to copycat, but I'm totally going to pick Blaster, too. For all the reasons you said, but also because at the beginning of the issue, he does successfully infiltrate the Decepticons mm-hmm. at Mount hot now what's it called mount <laughs> dark, dark mount that's um and he's he's recording he's doing the thing that that soundwave always manages to do but he succeeds at it which is great so and he gets some some intel through his boombox that no one seemed to notice that there was this big red yellow and blue boombox that was never there before just Trans- chilling all transformers are blind to recording equipment apparently yeah, yeah. Yeah. Their or tape form they yes. just cannot see them uh, so yeah, definitely touch goes to blaster for this issue. Yeah, that's like me in any form of transportation. I can't see it. We will finish <laughs> up with Pat. Pat, who had the touch, sir? Well, like Jonathan said, uh, it's to me it was Donnie. Um, you know, blaster. I agree. I figured he was kind of probably be the majority. So I was actually really surprised to watch Donnie just really stand up to Megatron. It was like face to face too. <laughs> You know, he said, one, he tells him, I don't like the food you're giving me. And then the other, I don't like what you're doing. <laughs> He's great. It's it's like the fastest face turn ever. He goes from out for profit the last time we saw him, but not. But it doesn't take him too long to go, well, I'm in way over my head. I got to find these good guy robots or I'm going to. Yeah, I give I give Donnie credit. Like, he that, that took some stones. Yeah. <laughs> He stood up to Megatron like, no, I don't want to do this. Like, give me better. Yeah. Yeah. Brave man. Risky living. I can tell you that one. Risky living. All right. If we have talked about the touch, then someone had to be out of touch. We talk about the character that was the worst in the book, and they should be forced to be thrown in between dimensions in the segment called Less Than Meets the Eye. We will go back to Pat, and he will tell us who was less than meets the eye. Okay. I'm wondering if Jonathan and me are on the same wavelength here, where we had that mental bridge between us going on. Um, he mentioned it early, early on. And so my less than meets the eye is Charlie and Rita. Where are you from? We're driving around. It's so beautiful out here. Oh, there's a bridge. Let's go. I also chose Charlie and Rita. Ah, yes. <laughs> I have to take the time on this because they are what Pat's at. Because, well, I'm going to drive across that. Well, okay. No one will believe their story, even though they do. The world where, you know, it goes, oh, you're just saying that because you were near Portland. 
Everybody knows those giant robots are fake news. Yeah, that's what they think they are in Oregon. You pronounced it correctly. Oh, did I? Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Maggie, who was less than meets the eye? I'm going to give my less than meets the eye. I was going to go with Charlie and Rita, um, but I'm I'm going to give it to Shockwave because he shows up talking a real big game, and then Straxus's um, message comes through. And he's like talking all this smack to Megatron, like I'm obviously supposed to be the leader of the Decepticons. I don't even know why you bother. And then Straxus shows up in the sky, and he's like, "Okay, so just ignore everything that I just said. We clearly need to work together." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "No, no, 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 not gonna fly today, Shockwave." And that's all he does. That's like literally all he does. So Shockwave, I'm the greatest. You suck. Never mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I, in, I'm going to kind of turn it on its ear. My less than meets the eye goes to Straxus. Well, oh, really? Yeah, because he lost. It's kind of both. One, I respect him as a love-to-hate guy because I did not like him. Oh, my God. He actually I, ticked me off like, oh, I don't like you. <laughs> but, one of the, but he could get the less than meets the eye in its traditional sense because he just sent two of them on people to their deaths for nothing. It's like, okay, it clearly isn't working. Eh, send that other guy. I just wanted to see somebody blow up. to keep sending them <laughs> until it worked with one of them. Who knows how many of his army would have gone through if Shrapnel hadn't come up with something. Yeah. Shrapnel at least has a better day today than he did last issue. Yeah, he yeah. was much more prom- Well, he at least didn't get hit in the head this time. <laughs> yeah, I give Shrapnel some credit because like, cause the other guy was already like, I can, I can talk to Spanner if you want to. Oh, nope, I got to go blow up. The Spanner's like, I talked to him. I talked to him. He said... <laughs> <laughs> That will wrap us up for talking about the book. But we have to tell you about our ratings. To recap for the audience, again, 1 to 10 scale, old tech specs, stuff like that. Talk about how we felt about the issue. Maggie, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate Transformers 18? I would say, like, overall, I found 17 to be... Like I found 17 to be more interesting to me, but I still liked 18 quite a bit. And especially with that climax, with that big fight at the space bridge. Um, so I, I'll, and I really did like the art throughout the whole thing. I, I would give it a 10. I really liked the issue. So I'll, I'll, I gave a 10 to, to 17. I was thinking about a nine, but no, I, I'm comfortable with giving this one a 10 as well. I liked the whole two part arc. I thought it did close it up nicely. Um, and it was uh, the the body horror with Spanner turning into the bridge, and then yeah. Strax, you know, Especially demise. His head again. being down like here. Yeah, it was, it was real like, freaky. It couldn't even trip. I love. Yeah, it. That's I love weird. It up. So yeah, I'll I'll give it a ten. Excellent. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Let's move on to Pat. Pat, what would you rate this book? I'm going to give this one a nine. It just didn't bump me up to ten, and I would have gave the other one a ten, uh, seventeen a ten. Um, but this one I'm giving a nine. Awesome. I was going to give it a nine, but I am going to just bump it to a 10. It's hard to kind of separate this one from 17 completely. It is one story and the story itself, regardless, is equally a 10 for me. It's, it's a great story. It's a game changer. As Pat said, the stories going forward from here do have a, uh, much greater degree of sophistication that you can really tell. 
I mean, I, I think they, that Bob really tapped into something in this when it came to creativity and we get some really cool stories coming from here. So for that and other things, I'm, I'm going to just give it a 10. How about you, Dylan? A 10 would be hard to argue against. I felt like reading it and through our discussion, um, with Pat here, I give it a nine. I could not be more impressed with this two issue arc, um, as a whole. It was fantastic. And to bring it to Cybertron, to take it back to planet Earth with that direct link from storylines in the past and to set the ground for the future and what it may hold because the, sp- the space bridge is still around. Just a lot of excellent stuff going on and a fantastic storyline. And Pat got his robot on robot action as well. So I think there's a reason for everyone to be happy. Uh, me included. With that, we can and never will leave you without John's segment of the show called Transformer Spotlight, where he discusses a particular Transformer, which was featured in today's issue. Here is what you could read on the back of Cosmos's toy, or also at tfu.info, which is where I got this information. So thanks, Anthony. All right, Cosmos's allegiance is Autobot. His function is reconnaissance and communications. His motto is reach for the stars, but never leave your friends. Or alternately, go ahead, make my day. Uh, Cosmos is lonely in outer space. He relieves boredom by scaring humans by hovering over their backyards at night or zigzagging through meteor showers. Can achieve Earth orbit. Can even go to the moon and back with enough fuel. Acts as communication satellite. Uh, His optical sensors can see a bicycle at 600 miles. He has pinpoint accuracy, high-powered particle beam. Not well suited to function on ground as robots. Uh, his strength, and these are all, as we know, on the scale of 1 to 10. His, his strength is a 2. His intelligence is 8, so pretty sharp. His speed is 10. That is tied with Jetfire numerically as the fastest Autobot. Uh, his endurance and rank are both 6. His courage is 7. His firepower is 6. And his speed is 9. Cosmos was not based on a Japanese-released toy but they think it was probably based on a figure designed for the micro-change line that never was released. Uh, Cosmos is molded in green and yellow plastics and takes the shape of a 1950s-style flying saucer with a domed lower portion and cylindrical upper portion topped by a smaller red cylinder. The saucer features three exhaust pipes on the rear of the lower disc, which become Cosmos's fingers. Uh, he features three black rolling wheels under the saucer body that allow him to roll along the ground. Um, there's not too much to say about Cosmos that we haven't already covered. I uh, included him because I owned him and, and liked him. And also to point out that he continues his bloodlust in this one. He has a body count of three Decepticons, which gives him a total body count of about five combined with 17. All of them shot in the head. <laughs> so what I think is Bob must have been quickly looking at, you know, through the text specs he'd written. And all he saw was uh, the line that said, Pinpoint accuracy, high-powered particle beam, and went with that. So it seems strange because he's supposedly awkward as a robot, but in the, so in a situation that they could have definitely had him be a spaceship and flying around in space and doing Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is all we're going to see of him, basically. He's just in the background after this, like a lot of the rest of the Autobots introduced this story that aren't named Perceptor or Blaster. 
Uh, in the cartoon, he is used a bit more, but mostly to orbit Earth and pick up info and relay communications and whatnot. He does pal around with Blaster a couple of times, which is a nice synergy with these issues. He has a nice relationship with him, it seems. And also, and thanks again to Anthony from Transformers University for this particular bit of information, uh, Hasbro did make a scrounge figure. Uh, oh, for the Wars line, did. and it was a Cosmos figure with a different head, <laughs> and then you would transform it and turn it on the side. So instead of a flying saucer, it was a wheel. It was a wheel. Ah, oh, that's cool. So that's you great. can get him. Well, what about Straxus? Straxus, I don't know. I didn't look into that. So I... We'll have to find that out for sure. That is our mission. We must find if there was a Straxus toy. Exactly. Yes. Or if any <laughs> listeners know if there's a Straxus toy, please let us know. And then buy it for us and send it back. <laughs> <laughs> we would greatly appreciate that. But thanks as always to tfu.info and uh, also transformerland.com. I got some of that information from. It's, both of them are really awesome sites you should check out. Fantastic. Thank you, John. And we will go to a promo break. The Transformers will return after these messages. Hi, my name's Red, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. These fools worship Transformers. Decepticons, transform and arise. Robots with emotions. Robots who can die. The rest Now playing on fanalspodcast.blogspot.com We now return to the Transformers. Okay, everybody, before we close out, I know there's been a few episodes now that we haven't done our transmissions where we heap praise upon the audience for listening to us and whatnot. Just want to say we definitely appreciate anyone who takes time to stop and listen to the show. Uh, we will get back to that. I promise. I promise. I promise. Uh, but a good way to get into our good graces. So we have stuff to talk about is if you want to go to iTunes and leave a review on our feed, that would 100% get you there, and we would love you forever uh, and ever. Uh, Twitter, of course, is great as well. Facebook as well. And if you want to look on Instagram, too. Uh, but I'm getting into my closing now. But just wanted to mention about transmissions. We haven't forgotten it. It will come back. I think what happened is we sent it out to Cybertron, and then, you know, Cybertron's got to send it back. It takes a whole bunch of time. There's a whole thing about it. In any event, that is the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue 19 and the debut of Omega Supreme. If you'd like to hear more from us, the Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most podcatchers to include Spotify at www.longboxcrusade.com. Pat, they can find us on Anchor as well, correct? Correct. Awesome. You can find us on Twitter at Longbox Crusade, Facebook Longbox Crusade, Instagram Longbox Crusade, and Patreon Longbox Crusade. 
We have a YouTube channel. Please subscribe. We do a do it live stream once a month, every second Sunday. We are thinking about opening up to more content to like opening up some of our shows. So you might get to see us record some shows live. Uh, we think about pressing the live button and putting it on there. Uh, please subscribe. We'd love to have you. You can also email us uh, at contact at longboxcrusade.com. That's the old form of email or mail now correspondence, but I guarantee you if you email us at Longbox Crusade about Transformers Chronicles, we will read it. I would also like Our operators are standing by, Del. Operators are standing by. Do you hear that? They are by. They're on the phone. And that phone is corded, by the way. Yeah, dial, and- dial our hearts. Dial, dial our hearts. That's what we need you to do right there. I'll be wearing a Paisley shirt and I will be standing by. I will also like to give a special shout out to our Crusaders Club members. You know who you are. We appreciate your love and support. If you would like to join our Crusaders Club, we would love to have you. Membership starts at only $1 a month and we work very hard to earn your buck. One more shout out to Omaha Bound Entertainment who does those hard binding special comics for your collection. They do custom designing for every cover. So every single hardcover they design is unique, as well as special trade collections of hard-to-find comics. All of this is available on their website, which is omahabound.com. John, please tell us about your podcast and Maggie's podcast and where y'all can be found on the Internet. You can check out the Rod Pod, where Maggie and I cover the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order. And also Married with Comics, where we talk about everything else. You can find both of those under our Married with Comics feed. Pretty much anywhere you found this podcast, you can find there. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, other podcatcher places. Uh, On Twitter, you can get a hold of me at MWC underscore podcast. And I am at Maggie and the Rain. I can't escape it, no matter where I go. <laughs> well, we can sing some bullet. Uh, excuse me, um, some My Chemical Romance for you. They had a song called Helena, but not a song called Meg. That is true. I can be found, by the way, on Twitter at D-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. Pat, where can you be found? Well, Devin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. See you next time. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Till all are one. Till all are one. Till all are one.
you got the touch. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. You know just what it takes, you're a fighter.